Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults age 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ. Live and local, every afternoon, 2 to 4. This is Mark, Melinda, and Ed on News Radio KLBJ. Call or text them at 512 836 0590. Appreciate the heck out of your show. I've been listening for a long time. Now, Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Police in the Houston area say a man planned and set up the execution of a convicted pedophile. The 24 year old shooter is now behind bars. Witnesses say that he had spoken on previous occasions. If prosecutors are not going to do their job, I'm going to step in. Yeah, Yeah, he lured this guy to his death. And you can really not like what this guy did, think he's a disgrace and that he should be dead. But you cannot take that into your own hands and just outright murder the guy. Uh, The police say that this 24-year-old suspect began communicating with the convicted pedophile and was pretending to be a minor and said, let's meet up. And uh, then he moved in on May 29th, 2023 and executed the man and left the scene. And they were able to solve this crime and track him down, and he's now facing a murder charge. Melinda is exactly right. You can't be judged during executioner. No matter how pitiful this man was as a, as a pedophile, you cannot do that yourself. You've got to follow the proper channels, and uh, he's going to go to jail for this. It's, it is it's a, a, an execution. Yeah, it's, it's just out-and-out murder, whether you think that the person should be here or not. Um, it's interesting that he says, or someone says, that this guy had said, police just aren't doing enough. I can agree with that. <laughs> yeah. I, not the police. I, the I think the police yeah. are, are if they find them, they're arresting, they're doing their job. It's the rest of the judicial system that's letting us down from the DAs to the judges. And and that kind of action can lead to a case like this, vigilantism. Yes. It keeps reverberating through our society. Uh, the affidavit says a third party states that the suspect told them he believed police were not doing enough to keep pedophiles in prison. So he wanted to rob and harm those type of men because they would do bad things to little children and other people. And he knew how to track them by an app on the phone. A month later, the defendant made the same comment. If the cops were not going to do anything, maybe he should kill them himself. Uh, you can't do that, sir, as important as these people are. Uh, you cannot just, and this was more, this was a planned execution. They lured him there to the one spot. And What are your thoughts on him communicating with this guy? Because we've had stories like this before where they communicate with the with them on the app, set up a meeting place, but then they're met with the police because they cue the police in to come and arrest them. Hey, this person is a sexual predator, should not be trying to hook up with who they believe as an underage kid, and then the police are able to come in and swoop in. That's a form of vigilanteism as well, but in that case, they're involving the police to come and finish up the the work that they've done. Is it all planned with the police 
throughout the whole planning, it, or, or are they cold to, at the last moment? It's been both. I've okay. seen where there's been individuals just on their own, like their mission is to do this, mm-hmm. um, and then they they've coordinate at the end with the police, and then I've the police themselves have some of their detectives. Um, communicate, communicate, yeah, do yeah. the communicating, yeah. yeah, and bust them that way. I think it should be done uh, in cooperation with the police. Always, if the police want to carry it out that way, you can weigh in with your thoughts. Five one two eight three six zero five ninety. The video of a beheaded father remained on YouTube for five hours this week after the father's own son had cut off the head of the father and then uh, made a graphic video from a Pennsylvania home. This is a case that happened just a few days ago. Wednesday, they charged the son with first-degree murder and abusing a corpse after he killed his father in Bucks County in their home in Pennsylvania. And this story is really focused on why did YouTube allow this gruesome video to remain on the platform for five hours? You know, during the week when the social media giants testified in Congress that, oh, we're doing our best on security, we're doing our best. This is absurd that this this thing was up for that long. That is absurd and vile. It was up on YouTube for five hours and then on X for an additional seven hours the next day. Where is the security? I don't know. I in this story, it's talking a lot about they are depending on AI to kind of flag this so that it can be taken off, but AI's not up to the task yet to identify things like this. I don't know what they do to to prevent this, because I, I, I'm just trying to think. The whole digital world is nuts to me. I don't know how you sit with as many people that are on social media yeah. and as soon as some deranged individual posts something like this, you're supposed to see it and get it. Uh, I would think if you start to see something being shared or viewed a lot of times, then that would naturally draw your attention to it and then you would immediately shut it down. But does that take five hours? It shouldn't take know. five hours to do. No, should not. Why do you say that, Ed? Because you're, you're saying human beings should have noticed this sooner? Of course. And I think some some human beings, if you are a good human being, would have notified YouTube or X and say, wait, 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 there's a beheaded man picture that's still up. And that, that should have, they should have taken action on that. A group set up by tech companies actually discovered this and then notified YouTube and Google. And at that point, it was taken down. This well, is this is a, an effort that the companies have set up to try to catch this kind of stuff. You have that aspect of it, but I'm sitting here thinking, what about all the people that share it? Uh, what kind of person are you to see that and go, oh, this is cool, let me share it? They're sick if you share a beheading, a beheading Or person. even to like if you see what it is and then you want to view it. I, I don't understand that because it was shared, it was viewed many, many times over. And you're right, Ed. Why weren't they the ones saying, alert, alert, alert? Exactly. How do you explain that, Ed? I don't know. That's it. The, someone's asleep at the uh, switch, or the process is flawed for reporting vile things and things that should not be up on X or YouTube. All right, 512-836-0590. You can call. You can text us. KXAN says that a man who was driving on Ben White 
ran over and killed a pedestrian and left the scene. He was caught later by Austin police. He entered a guilty plea in connection with this, and he's been sentenced to three years of community supervision. Yes. No time behind bars. Well, by leaving the scene of the accident, that is extremely egregious. And I believe if you if you leave the scene, you you should be facing time behind behind bars because the right thing to do is call the police immediately when you know. Yes. If the guy did not know he hit the person, <clears throat> which I find it hard to believe, I could I could possibly see that. But if you hit the guy and you leave the scene, no, you you need to spend some time behind bars. Just to give you an idea, this is a second-degree felony, 2 to 20 years in prison. And he got three months, no, three years community, community supervision. Service. Again, this is, this is the judicial system here that has decided, as long as you say you're guilty, that just means you don't get any punishment. You get a slap on the wrist. Our local judicial system does not value the lives of the victims. The lives of the victims don't even seem to matter in these kind of cases anymore. This is a case where they seem to have concluded, oh, well, he admitted he did it. We'll give him three years of community supervision. What about the man who was run over? How long did he live after he was hit? Could he have been saved if this guy had stopped and called police, he may well have a, a justifiable reason that he didn't see this guy. Maybe the guy was trying to cross Ben White. Who knows? But the law does require that each of us stop at the scene of a wreck like this. And if you don't really start cracking down on this, you're going to see a real explosion of people leaving the scene. It's yeah. already getting worse. Well, and I just, I don't even understand. I'm sure you're scared. Um, at 29, someone just ran across Ben White and you just hit them. But in no way I, did they think I need to leave because I'm going to get in trouble. Dude was on Ben White. Shouldn't have been crossing. Why would you leave and not, not at least, the very least, stay in your vehicle and call for some help? The only... What was the timeline? How, how long between him hitting this man and his arrest... What was it, Melinda? I didn't see how long it took them to find the vehicle. Okay, here's the deal. I would I would think that the guy was uh, inebriated. He was drunk driving or incapacitated. That's why he left the scene. Blood alcohol went down, sobered up, and said, oh, it was me. All the more reason that you don't give probation or community supervision to this. At the very least, if, if that's what you're thinking, the minimum two years. All right, here are the numbers 512 836 0590. Join the conversation with Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. And you can stream the show live on your digital device via the free news radio KLBJ app. Thanks a lot for joining us. It's 316. This is Tammy on 360. Hi, Tammy. Welcome. 
Hey, how are y'all? I just wanted to share the, 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 the vast, incredible differences between our ju- system of justice here and that in Japan, where a, a head teacher was just fired from their teaching position for stealing uh, the equivalent of $2, two, two pounds, 66, roughly two and a half pounds of coffee. He would get a small cup and he'd pour more coffee in there than he was paying for. He got reported by a clerk. And he got fired from his job. And, and another interesting thing about that situation is the guy, the teacher, did not try to shift the blame, blame somebody else, offer an excuse why he took more coffee than he was paying for. He basically was like, yes, I did it. I've done it before. I'm really, really sorry. But he still got fired. And, and it amounted to less than three pounds because that currency over there is different of coffee fired from his job where he was apparently the head teacher and this guy kills somebody he does not even step foot in jail it's crazy that's the difference between our our justice system and other countries and that's why japan is safe and you can leave your wallet in the park bench and it's going to be there when you come back hours later Mm. tammy how did we get to this point where the victim's life seems to have no value in our justice system I don't know. I mean, I just feel like people are so selfish and unempathetic. They are incapable of seeing things and feeling what the other person feels. They're very selfish. And I know people harp about the social media, but you are literally revolving your life around other people and yourself to get likes, to get clicks, whatever it is. And I think it just, it just tunes you out. I think it just really warps people's perspective so i don't know what the answer is i wish i did um but that 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 was recent i think that was in the last month that this happened to that japanese teacher and he just he he didn't even try to excuse it which is what would happen in this country oh i didn't have enough money oh i had a pad pad upbringing fill in the blank excuse didn't happen over there he, he acknowledged his guilt and said and even confessed to having done it before <laughs> which she mm. didn't have to do. All right, uh, Tammy, thank you. Appreciate it. Have a good one. 512-836-0590. Yes, Melinda. Well, we we had at one point in history where we actually held people accountable for their actions, and we did not have what we see today. More and more crime, uh, more and more people just broken down, can't handle anything, that is a big part of accountability being taken out. And she's right. We have created a system where we say, it's not your fault. Find something or someone else to blame it on. Can't possibly be your fault. And we just talked a few minutes earlier about the man in Houston who's concluded that the legal system is not doing its job. Therefore, he's going to go out and do it. And he ended up executing a guy. Mm-hmm. I think it's in in our case, it's RDA not wanting to put people put people in jail, because according to RDA or the people who work for him, that this person was not a threat. He was not a threat to society because he accidentally hit a guy walking across Ben White Boulevard. But you, if you leave the scene, if you leave the scene, and Sam Cox told me this. He said when these cases, he said nine times out of ten. Something's going on with the driver. They're trying to hide They're something. They're trying to hide something. It's sort of like the Gabriel, the Natasi story 
from uh, Exposition Boulevard where she was a legislative aide, where she mm, hit yeah. a woman walking on the sidewalk, and she hid the car uh, in the garage for a day. So yeah. I checked during the break on an, another report, and it said the pedestrian was on the frontage road of Ben White when he was hit by this car. So we don't know if the... We shouldn't assume, I'll put it this way, that the pedestrian was at fault in some way here. You you can't rule that out, but you also might have a case where this guy was driving too fast on the frontage road. He may have been drunk. Uh, he may have left the frontage road and hit this man. That's why staying on the scene is so critical exactly. in a lot of these. It, it, it is. It is. But I that's what I believe happened. I think this person knew if he stayed on the scene, it would have been what might, might have been. I'm just speculating here. Vehicular homicide, yada, da, 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 da. Let's go to Andrew and Colleen with Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Hello, Andrew. Welcome. How are you? Fine. Happy Wet Friday. You know, it's to hear you guys speculate, you know, I couldn't imagine. If I was in, like, downtown Austin and I was on my phone and I hit a pedestrian, then you could say that, you know, you should you should stop. And I, I don't know what I would do. If you're on just 290 and you're you're driving and say you're living paycheck to paycheck and all of a sudden you hit something and it's a person. I mean, who knows what we would do at that point? You freak out. You think to yourself, Oh my God, I'm going to need a freaking attorney. I'm going to lose work. And you, you, you just, you, you go home because you're and not because you're drunk, not because you're high, just because somebody is where they're not supposed to be. Then you get home and after you, maybe you talk to your family members and everything and you say, you know what, this is what happened and they convince you to go turn yourself in. Andrew, and I'm going to stop you like- right there. The scenario that you're giving is the exact reason why we're here. People are selfish. If someone is going to say, oh, no, what about me, and not about the person that I just hit that most likely, at the very least, is injured because they got struck by a car, that is what is wrong with society. Yeah, who's I, who's I, to I, say, Andrew, Andrew, who's to say that the victim died after several minutes or minutes or hours or whatever. It could have been helped. You exactly. don't know. Exactly. You don't know how, how severe the injuries are. But isn't the person that's driving that hits somebody because they're high on drugs and not being where they're not supposed to be, that person's life has now changed. So there's got to be a little sympathy for that person. I mean, I hope to God if I was in that situation, I would stop. I hope you would, I too. Just, but I, well, I that's what I'm bit. saying. That's just so selfish that you know you just struck someone. At the very least, they're going to be hurting. And your thought is, what about me? What about me? I, I just uh, don't I, accept that. I, 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 and you're probably right. I think we have become a very selfish society. But that is what's wrong. I, I, don't, think it's, I don't think it's necessarily selfish. It's just, you know, we all make bad decisions. You know, and that maybe at that, at that particular time, you're just you're you're totally freaking out. It's not because you're you're selfish. It's just you don't. Who knows how you're going to react in that situation? You know, when you're a concealed carry person and you see a robbery going on, not everybody's going to pull out their gun and be a hero. You just don't know in something like that. You got your adrenaline going, and to just say somebody's a bad person because somebody's high on drugs and walks out in the middle of two ninety or or thirty five and gets hit, and that person because they don't stop. Their whole life has changed because they, they freaked out a little bit. I, I think it's a little, you know, it's just it's a little bit too much. You're making, uh, you're making some uh, dangerous assumptions about the pedestrian. Well, I mean, you're, Ed was saying that, the, you know, nine out of ten people are either drunk or high when they hit them. 
So that's the driver. That's the driver. You I'm were saying about. the pedestrian no, 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 was no, no, no. high. That's what I'm saying. So you're saying nine out of ten drivers are drunk because they hit somebody that walks in the middle of two ninety or thirty. I'm, I'm saying I'm saying nine out of ten who leave the scene will be. Well, again, I, I you know what happens if it's a you know a pregnant woman or or or, or a sixteen year old or seventeen year old driver. Who cares? They hit someone. Stop and see if they're hurt. Yeah. Stop making excuses for people. The law says you stop. It is a felony. It's a serious crime to leave the scene if you hit another human being. 512-836-0590. This is Tim in Northwest Austin. Hey, Tim, welcome. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Good afternoon. Um, so I wanted to just, you you were, uh, a couple callers ago, you were, uh, you had posed the question, how did we get to this point where we devalue life? Yes. And, um, I, you know, and the, the one gal was drawing a comparison to Japan. I would draw a comparison to China, which is uh, uh, the opposite of Japan, where uh, in China they, they have very little value for life. I mean, I've, I've known a number of people who have, who have gone to China and they, one of the things every one of them comes back and talks about is how they're they're always shocked by uh, the how little they they value life there. You know, people will get hit by a car and fall in the street. Everybody just walks past them and over them. Um, and I would say that the reason we've gotten to this point in our country, I know it's a very controversial subject, but I mean, for 51 years now, we have been desensitized to. Uh, you know the value that we place on life in our society, and I and I think over, over I mean, over a period of five decades, when when you passed into law, <laughs> you know, legalizing the murder of another human being, you know, you you, our society naturally will become desensitized to that. And when you look at the the, the amount of, uh, you know, death and violence that that you know. Our, our younger generations are seeing on TV and movies and video games. It, 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 you can only come to, you know, one conclusion that as a society, it's going to degrade to that point. All right, Tim, thanks. Appreciate it. 512-836-0590. We've got news headlines next. Much more to cover with you just ahead. It's Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Mark, Melinda, and Ed are on your radio at 99.7 FM or 590 AM. We're discussing a KXAN report that an Austin driver has pleaded guilty to hitting a pedestrian on the frontage road of Ben White Boulevard and leaving the scene. The pedestrian died. The person pleading guilty is a 29-year-old man, and his sentence is three years of community supervision. No time behind bars. Melinda has noted that this crime, leaving the scene of a wreck, could carry a sentence of 2 to 20 years in prison. But the driver pleaded guilty and was sentenced on January 18th. The story does not indicate the name of the judge who signed off and approved of this plea bargain agreement in the case. So many times we we do point to the DAs because they are the ones that uh, create the agreement, come to the terms of it, and then they present it to the judge. But a judge does have the right to say this is not acceptable. I'm not going to allow you to do this. But many times we see them just rubber stamp it. 
Let's go to Jimmy in South Austin with Mark, Melinda, and Ed. Jimmy, welcome. How are you? Fine, thank you. Yeah, what are your thoughts, Jimmy? Well, my thoughts is like Melinda was saying, how did we get here? You know, when that representative had that daughter that got blitzed out of her mind and was going down West Enfield, ran over that biker, that little bike lady, and then when she hit her, smashed her whole front end, hair, some of the body on her car, and went home, went to sleep, turned herself in. When she turned herself in, she didn't get but a slap in the hand. They did nothing to her. After that, a rash of hidden runs become more and more, you know, compounding because of all of this, you know, what happened when they saw that people think, well, I might as well go home and sober up and come back and turn myself in. Yeah. You know, yeah. that kind of stuff is unacceptable, you know, and, and for them to say, well, we can't tell if she was drunk or not. We don't. Nowadays, there's people running in the street, walking in the street, homeless running all over the place. We don't know who's, who's at fault. There's too many factors to be placed in, in motion when you're going to say that, well, they deserve this. You, you don't know what they deserve. You don't know the true circumstance. Yeah, when they leave the scene, it, it really complicates the investigation on many, many levels. It really does. I mean, think of that, that little girl. I mean, when she did it, nothing happened to her. We didn't talk about her too much, but we'll talk about this guy that turned himself in and said, well, I'm turning myself in. I panicked. I'm sorry. Uh, I had to get my crap together and maybe a lawyer, and here I am. Well, so, first, I want to clarify. I'm not sure that this guy turned himself in. The story says police found, found him. Yeah. the driver elsewhere. And this isn't the, and he's not the only one since that case that you're referring to. Time and time again over these past several years, we have talked about uh, those a- that are involved in some type of vehicular manslaughter, whether they're drinking and driving, and their passengers in their vehicle die as a result of that, yeah. and they are getting slaps on the wrist. They're getting things like this, the three years of community supervision. It's It should not be happening, yet it continues to. And this story's got holes in it, too, because we haven't heard from the victim's family. Did the victim's family, is, is that just a Hollywood dream I'm thinking of, where the victim's family has somewhat of a say or somewhat of input. Don't they tell the DA, we, we, we forgive this person probation or we, we will be satisfied if they go to jail. Is that fantasy or is that fiction, Melinda? Well, you know, at the same time, you can say this. You come over here, we were at a funeral. Walking out of the funeral, bikes come in the opposite direction of traffic, comes into us, we're trying to leave. We hit the person. Of course, we stop, we check and everything, but had it been a little different or a little more intense and we hit them, and I left the funeral, and I'm, I've got a funeral on my mind. Now I just hit somebody. I just got to get out of here, man. I don't want no more. And I go home, and then I come back, and I, or they find me somewhere else distraught. You know, there's other factors That's what I'm trying to say. And at the same time, it did become more uh, evident of these cases. Once that case was processed the way it was and stuff, a lot of people were like, wow, I can't believe it. This, this kind of uh, treatment was placed. All right, uh, Jimmy, thank you. Have a good afternoon. Uh, Police are short-staffed these days. When people leave the scene, we can't just conclude or count on the police finding them at a later date. They may never be caught and brought to justice. We've got detectives now that have to spend part of their time going Mm -hmm. out to respond to 911 calls. It's not a given that they will track down these folks who leave the scene of these wrecks. No, it's not in that cape of, of that Gabriel Nastasti. That car was in a garage, in a garage, and the, the garage was down. 
with the, the front sh- windshield, and there were fragments of this poor woman's hair and blood in the 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 windshield, if you remember correctly. 512-836-0590. You can call, you can text to join the conversation. The Daily Caller is reporting that the Biden administration has provide, fe- provided federal taxpayer money to professors at the University of Cincinnati. $213,000 for them to create a smartphone app to train biological males who identify as transgender to sound like women when they're speaking. Oh You've got goodness. problems with that, Mark? You've got problems with that? <laughs> was it just yesterday that we were telling you the results of a poll about taxes and how the majority of people don't think that the federal government, well, even any local or whatever, they had more trust in local than they did federal government about the way that they spend the money? Yes. Here's Exhibit A. Why are you spending I mean, and I have to say, $200,000, $213,000 seems very small compared to how much they really like to spend mm-hmm. on all a lot of other stuff. But still, why are you sending that? This is something, again, that should be done in the private sector. If we have such a need for an app to train you how to speak like a woman because that's what you want then someone will figure that out with their own money, bring it to the market, and then they can determine the success. What are we doing with our taxpayer money in this? We we should not be in this arena for taxpayer money. What a niche item this is. Good. If they're giving money for this, they're going to give money to anything involved with transgenders or transsexuals, whatever. This is, this is, this is their allegiance to that community and they will, help any way they can with our taxpayer money. Separate report out today says that universities and colleges are seeing a spike in students going to their counseling centers, and half of students who go to the counseling centers say they have experienced trauma in their life. Uh. This is a new report from the Center for Collegiate Mental Health, Penn State University. Put this all together. And it goes into detail on how there's been an increase in college students who go in for counseling, say, I have suffered trauma at some point in my life. Um, I, they contribute this to the changing definition of trauma, and that has to be it. Uh, I think it's great that we as society are more open to discussing mental health issues and that we have more avenues for people that uh, do experience that to go and get the needed help that they want. But I don't think we're doing anybody any good when we claim anything and everything is a trauma. Uh, They're saying it could be as simple as not having your needs met in childhood. Again, I would ask, how are we defining that? They may say their need was this, and that's not really a need. It was a want. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. One thing that strikes me in this report is the counselors at colleges, they say, are becoming better at determining when students have experienced trauma, even if the students themselves do not recognize that they had experienced trauma. Mm. Think about that. That's odd, Mark. Yeah. So we're going to tell you. You're going to tell you. Yeah. It's you sort of, had trauma. I know nothing in your life. You can't. Yes. You can't tell me one thing that would tell you you had trauma. But I'm. I'm telling you, there was trauma and, there. And that sort of kind of falls in line with 
gender confusion to, well, let me tell you what, you're not really a girl, you're a boy, or you're not really a boy, you're a girl. This uh, says that the increase in trauma among college students has risen so much, colleges are now offering PTSD treatment in their counseling centers. Post-traumatic stress disorder counseling in their college counseling services. If the students have been involved in a something that would warrant PTSD, but just because you didn't have a date to the prom or somebody called you fat or something like that, you're not PTSD. That's called life, darn it. But if you're in a, in a situation, horrendous accident or have been assaulted or in some type of criminal, yeah, you could have PTSD. But if you just not getting the breaks in high school and if someone yelled at you, that's not PTSD. Florida State University, for example, has 20 counselors who are now trained in providing treatment for post-traumatic stress disorder to Florida State University students. I, to me, this is another example of how we're failing the younger generation. Um, I, I Again, I'm going to say... I think it is important if you truly are experiencing something to be able to get that help that you need. But for counselors, to me, it is an effort to make more money, to make this seem like it's more than it is. And in an in a way, normalizing PTSD. Oh, well, everybody should have PTSD. No, that's something that's extremely important for the people that have really been through something and what happens afterwards. You don't just label everybody as that. Mm-hmm. Adam is with us on KLBJ. Good afternoon. Welcome, Adam. Hey, how are you doing? Fine, Adam. Good afternoon. Hey, thanks. Thanks for calling. Hey, I really like what y'all are having to say about the, the counselors talking to the kids. Um, yeah, the, uh, the this, this subject of mental health and... Um, I don't want to say because I'm not I'm not there I'm not in the room, but creating this uh, PTSD or planting the seed of trauma in them, you know, kids need counselors. I understand that, but if a counselor sees something like this, they need to talk to the parents first. Trying to plant a seed in a in a let's say a kid 18 and under, it, to me, I, I don't want to be accusatory. It just comes across as predatory, almost like we're making up something that we're really maybe these counselors aren't really. Um, trained or equipped to, um, how do I say, it, to deal with. You know, if it's my kid and there's some kind of whatever going on in their head, there's some issue, you know, talk to me first. I don't want my kid in a closed door, closed room, talking to somebody. I don't care what their expertise are. You know, first off, there's got to be two people in there talking to them, but one of them has got to be me or my wife. Mm -hmm. That's my take. Are, are you uh, skeptical, Adam, that we have a true increase in trauma experiences among America's college students? Uh, yes, I think a lot of I think a lot of stuff is fabricated. I think um, I don't want to be insensitive. I want to be encouraging to people. I'm a coach. I think there's uh, there's there's a lot of talk about mental health and not enough talk about mental fortitude. And if, when people can really start to distinguish the two. They can see when you talk about mental fortitude, building mental strength, there's there's actions involved. When we just talk about mental health and, you know, the saying goes, empathy is expensive. You can have empathy for each other, but there's not an action plan. If there's not a real concrete, hey, building each other up, learning how to deal with this stuff, instead of just creating these labels, we're not doing anybody a service and everybody's paying for it. That's my opinion. I think it's very well said there. 
Adam, thank you, sir. You yeah. have a good afternoon. 512-836-0590. Call, text to join the conversation. Not everything, as I said, not everything that happens to you is PTSD in life. Sometimes it's self-inflicted. A lot of times when I was in high school, I did it myself. I did, did, did stupid things myself that I paid for, but it's not like I needed a counselor to get me in PTSD, whatever it is, training, just get, get me to do the right thing. 512-836-0590. It's Mark, Melinda, and Ed. 343 at KLBJ. On your radio or streaming on your digital device, here are Mark, Melinda, and Ed. President Biden's political handlers have told the New York Times we will all be hearing President Biden saying more about the prices we're paying at the grocery store. And the president is going to be telling the grocery stores, cut your prices. He gave a preview and remarks recently in South Carolina. Biden said Americans are tired of being played for suckers. And that's why we and the Biden team are going to keep on these guys, keep on them, and get those prices down. <laughs> tough. You're going to hear him it's repeatedly tough. saying, get those prices down, grocery stores. Quit gouging American consumers. Uh, you know, Mr. President, it's not as simple as that. And that is just political rhetoric in the upcoming elections. It's not that simple. You know, those those merchandise doesn't magically go on the shelves of the grocery store. Those eggs and that bacon and the butter or whatever, it doesn't magically just appear uh, there are so many factors at play in this, but this is none of his business. He could he could encourage, but demand. I get those prices down. That is the free enterprise system. If Melinda or I or you, Mark, feel like I'm getting gouged at my favorite grocery store, the prices are too high. You know where I go? I go someplace else where they're cheaper. I don't shop at Whole Foods a lot because it's more expensive at Whole Foods than it is at H E B. In my estimation, you go. Where you where you want to shop? That is freedom. That's freedom. Hey, he's right. We are tired of being played for suckers. So get on out of the office. Quit trying <laughs> to make us suckers. Quit trying to give lie after lie after lie that you think that we're going to believe. This to me is just another showcase of how Biden knows close to nothing about how the economy works. White House aides say. They're seeing parts of the economy where price increases are slowing. They have a few examples where prices are actually starting to go down, but they say this is one area that's still hurting Biden's polling numbers. It's the prices people are paying at grocery stores. That's why they want him to start talking so publicly, trying to shame the grocery stores. But think about that. That is your campaign message. It's not me. It's not what I've done as administration. It is those big, bad, large corporations just stealing money on for stuff you have to count on. That's a horrible message for any president to say all of these businesses that supply this to you are horrible people and they are just stealing your money and we, we're going to go after them. Not exactly sure that's a winning message that he wants to put out there, but yet he is. But it is a tactic that he uses a lot, shifting the blame. Right. They're ripping you off. They're ripping you off. Here's the question. Will it be effective with voters? Will this help his polling numbers? And that's the only reason they're doing this. They think this will 
drive up his polling numbers. We'd like to hear your thoughts at 512-836-0590. Will this tactic be effective in increasing the polling numbers for Joe Biden? No, because it's talk. All it is is talk. One, that he has no control over. And two, you can talk as much as you want when the prices don't actually change and they continue to have to pay them. They're not going to hold that against the grocery store and stop going to the grocery store. They're going to be mad that they're having to pay that much for it. Let's go to John in South Austin. Mark, Melinda, and Ed, good afternoon. John, how are you? Hey, great, guys. Great show. Hey, I think... Oh, Sleepy Joe is doing this backwards. Uh, if you look at any product you pick up off a shelf, H-E-B, Kohl's, in, any store, it's driven by the price of diesel. Diesel runs your trains. Diesel runs your 18-wheelers that deliver every piece of merchandise that are in all these stores. So if you keep jacking diesel prices up, they have to, it's not going to go down. That, that's an excellent that's point, John. D- yeah, diesel is the lifeblood of this U.S. economy. Mm-hmm. Yes, and if you look, byproducts of diesel is aviation gas. That is your airplanes, helicopters, whatever. It's all, as much as they would like to, you can't get away from it. It's here. That's how you transport your goods. And with that, keep climbing up. He can, I, last I was told, it was like almost two grand to fill up an 18-wheeler saddle tanks to take them somewhere. And it won't get them all that daggum far. Well, they've got to pass that along to us. But, John... So until uh, that gets some relief, we're not going to get any. John, you're, you're right on that point. However, in terms of the public reception of this message, will voters believe Biden that it's the grocery stores gouging him and his numbers will go up? Brother Biden doesn't have any credit with, I don't think, anybody anymore. Just look at the 25 states that are back in Texas. That's to me, is 25 state votes you're probably not going to get, Joe. That's a big dent. That's a big dent of people not believing you. John, thanks. You have a good one. 512-836-0590. Were you going to make an, another point there? 512-836-0590 on the campaign trail. Nikki Haley says she is in the race to keep fighting through Super Tuesday when we have all of those states voting, including Texas, in early March. She's not about to get out of the race before Super Tuesday. I'm glad. I I, I like Nikki Haley. I wish she was going to be a Republican nominee. I think she can beat Joe Biden just as easily or better uh, than Donald Trump can. And I think it's... I like the dialogue. I think the more she talks... It's worse for not Trump, per se. It's worse for Joe Biden. What's her strategy here, Ed? What is she uh, thinking? She is thinking that Donald Trump's going to be convicted of something between now and Super Tuesday. He's going to have another conviction, or he's going to have another uh, uh, well, those judgment against him. Well, those just got shattered well, today when things have gotten pushed out. Uh, but that one deal, yeah. The, as, as long as Donald Trump's and his legal problems stay in the news, she has a chance. At it, I don't think she has a chance numbers wise. Though I think as long as Donald Trump continues with getting zapped with money by the, you know, the Gene Carroll and other things like that, so I don't have a problem with her staying in the race. I don't think it it benefits her in any manner. I don't think she's going to have this miraculous uh, be able to to pull it out at the end and and beat Trump. 
But if she wants to stay and she wants to continue doing that, more power to her. A lot of people, you know, political people said now she's in the mode where she's making sure she's in the, the discussion in 2028 by staying as long as she can trying to get the nomination in 2028. Here are the numbers, 512-836-0590. Governor Greg Abbott is hosting 14 governors in Eagle Pass tomorrow. So these governors can have an eyewitness view What's what's happening right there on the border. I, I don't know that you have to host. I think they're pretty sure what's going on. I did find a story today. Um, that I thought was interesting about all of the numbers now that it seems as though those illegal border crossings are shifting to Arizona and California away from Texas, which says it works. I know the Biden administration is saying Texas is doing all of this stuff and all they're doing is putting our border patrol in harm's way. It doesn't even work. Yes, it does. 71.8% caught um, within the last couple of weeks, the three weeks that all of this has really been heightened with Texas has shifted. And I think it'll be powerful for them to see the park that we still we still have control of, the state of Texas. Well, and I'm seeing that there were some of the numbers today really, well, not officially released, but credible sources within Border Patrol. Highest January on record yet again there is a situation at the border when we are having more than 176,000 undocumented individuals encountered just in January. That Now, that is a significant report, Melinda, because there had been some reporting, and we brought it up here on the show about a week ago, that the Biden administration had reached some kind of a secret deal with Mexico, that Mexico would really start cracking down uh, and you're saying this new information just coming out indicates January is still going to be a huge month. It would be the highest January on record. You compare it to last year, which was about 157,000. Um, the, the story that I was talking about that said that they were shifting to Arizona and California mentioned the fact that not only was what Texas was doing, but perhaps what the secret agreement with Mexico was, but it also said, funny enough, it doesn't, it just seems like that part of it is only happening with the Texas border and they're not doing this. Mexico's not doing the same thing with Arizona and California. All right. uh, We've got news coming up next at the top of the hour. Fox will get you up to date on the U.S. airstrikes that have started against targets in Syria and Iraq. And then Melinda and I roll on with you right here, four to six live and local. You can catch Ed on 102.7 ESPN for Sports Talk, coming up 4 to 6, right here on all of our great lineup of stations. Maybe you or someone you know has a serious medical condition. Maybe you're just looking for answers on why you're not feeling well. Well, we've got a great show for you on KLBJ. Hi, I'm Ron Aaron with WellMed Radio, an entertaining and detailed look at health and wellness for seniors and other adults aged 18 to 101. We bring you recommendations on how to live longer and healthier lives. Tune in to WellMed Radio Saturdays at 7 p.m. with the Caregiver SOS show immediately following right here on News Radio KLBJ.